first step would be for everybody to care about other people and not about themselves only. Uh, people should respect each other, and, uh, not dependent with the color, the gender. Uh, we must avoid all this uh, uh, confrontation. You know? The fact that we're all humans is what unites us. So. But I think you start to think of yourself more as a person from the planet. The task of the media is to help society find a common language and communicate. I think friendship and being nice to each other can unite everyone. We want to live in a society that where the people are very conscious, so they make Just conscious decisions. Work for the sake of uh, society, for the sake of love, for the sake of connection. I see that all people want two things, love and we respect. A compassionate society, a society that understands that your needs are Validate. What unites us is being in relationship with each other. It's about humanizing the human society. Everybody has to be informed in a, in a proper way. Let's support each other. Let's help each other, no matter what another person may have. In a creative society, human life will be of highest value, and the best human qualities will prevail. Greetings, dear viewers, and welcome to live conversation on Alatra TV UK. And for those who are joining us at the first time, I would like to remind that Alatra International Public Movement has launched a unique global project, which called the Creative Society. Within this project, we're asking all people all over the world how they envision creative and constructive society, such society where everyone lives in happiness, prosperity, and where everyone feels safe. My name is Ala, and my co-host for today is Susan, and she is going to tell you more about our project and introduce our guest. Uh, good morning. The goal of this project is to uh, build creative society by peaceful means. Um, and you can find out uh, all information on the project on the official web website, which is alatraunites.com. And at the moment, by conducting uh, these interviews with people from all over the world, we're implementing the first stage of building such a society, an informational stage. And it's my absolute pleasure to introduce our beautiful guest for today. Jessica Roberts. Jessica is a keynote speaker and a mentor. She helps ambitious women thrive uh, by harnessing their feminine superpowers. Uh, welcome to our program, Jessica, and thank you for accepting our invitation. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor to be a part of this. I think your movement is absolutely incredible and it so resonates for my life, where I came from and where I want to go and what the world should look like as a whole. So thank you so much for having me here. Fantastic. Um, Jessica, I would like you please to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Share with us your story that inspired you to choose to help people to serve and to bring them back to a positive way of thinking. Yes, yes. So about myself. So being, so what I do right now, actually, is I help women, as you said, ambitious women to, to use their superpower, which is their femininity, to show up as their best selves in the world, to know who they are and love and respect who they are. 
And my background is a bit, I've been through foster care. I struggled with finding who I was. I got moved families a lot. I felt very unloved, very insecure. And in a result of being fostered, I lacked in a lot of education as well. And being going through this cookie cutter system of education as it is today, really, really affected my mindset showing up in life. I was very negative. I felt like I didn't fit into the normal society norms of having this job and um, where you work nine to five, going through that, and then having to come home for a few hours to spend with your loved ones and then straight back in the routine, the cycle. And it had a negative effect on my um, mind. So what I help women with now is to find out what their true passion and purpose is in life going forward through discovering their femininity, through harnessing their femininity, through having a routine that's personalized and unique to them so that they don't have to feel like, okay, it's wrong for being who they want to be in life. It's wrong for um, having failures sometimes, going through different passions that they love. It's okay to explore every interest that you love in life to find out who you are as a whole and to find out what gift and what unique gift you want to bring to the world. So that's a bit about me and what I love to do right now. Well, it's very fantastic. Thank you so much, Jessica, because it's very important to help people right now, help women to discover themselves and uh, self-love again is really important uh, for them as well because many is right now is uh, suffering with just these simple issues. So Jessica, we know you've been traveled around the world as well. You visit few countries. Could you please tell us how do you envision creative and constructive society where you, your family and everyone live in happiness, prosperity and feel safe? Well, I definitely think that I envision it as equality, as you say. I do think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, goodness in having the right leaderships as well. I don't agree with the whole corrupt power and the whole um, systematic view that there is right now in the world. Of, a lot of it is hidden slavery, um, which I do think is something that dramatically needs to change. I think that the leaders need to be leaders who are compassionate, who care and love the world, who care about humanity, and who genuinely care about the individuals in themselves. And showing us like transparency as well, a world where it's very transparent, where for instance, AI is coming out like on Hot Wheels right now, literally, <laughs> it's really fast developing. However, the education system is still putting children through a cookie cutter system where they go in very, very unique and then they're coming out into this whole systematic job role which AI, artificial intelligence is taking over now. I mean, you already see that robots are driving cars, you've got self-driven cars, you've got robots who are working like 24 hours a day <laughs> in like factories to produce stuff. So this, if this isn't changed, then people are going to end up with like jobless or homeless or in negative mindsets, maybe suicidal. Um, and it's an ongoing effect, isn't it? So I think we really need to cut down to the education system of where we all start off with and reframe that completely so that we're not just in a revolution, we're in an evolution. Mm -hmm. Reframe the educa education system so that we all know and are able to explore our unique identity, our unique talents, our unique um, interests like that, so that we end up 
in a world where we are more like entrepreneurial, we are more creative and we've expanded on our creative skills so that when it comes to the pressures of having to find a job when we're older or we want to um, move country or we want to adapt to all the changes, we can because we've been through that education system where it's explored our natural sort of interest, it's explored our creative skills where we can naturally, instead of fearing adapting, we can naturally like approach it with excitement and with like, wow, this is the next new thing. This is positive. This is us moving forward and upscaling and uplifting each other in life. So I think I see it as a holistic society where it's safe, where it's encouraging, where it's very compassionate. The leaders are very compassionate and understanding of the children, of the generations that are coming up through society and a place that is very, yeah, it's very secure and all equal. Everyone has equal opportunities. Education is free because that's where it starts off with, I think, is childhood and what we take in as children, how it sets our paradigm, how it sets our subconscious, our self-belief system, our mental health to then thrive in life. Wow. I love that answer, Jessica. And it's, I think... Um, that it shows your involvement through life and um, how you have reframed your experiences to um, to to, um, to evolve them to shape the way you feel now and the way you think now very positively from you know all that negativity. I applaud you. It's amazing. Um, I just want to touch on your um, observations there about the cookie cutter society. Um, and education and um, being in education myself I wholeheartedly agree with you and um, I have actually seen the um, erosion of creative um, arts in the education system and uh, what I would like to do is just ask you what you think um, media art and culture would be like in a creative society and how you feel that they would create conditions uh, to help women to thrive in life. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think the main word that comes to my head is vulnerability. Mm. Like as soon as you ask me that, vulnerability, showing um, the fall and um, the flaws in everything, showing mm. the mistakes, showing the failures mm. so that nobody is fearing the newness of their growth. Um, yes, definitely, definitely vulnerability. I see it especially on social media, for instance, like you go on there and there's so much comparison, not only to bondage right now, but also to the way someone may be living or the way they may be showing up in their life. And I think if people were more um, vulnerable, they, they not only would grow on themselves as an individual, but also it'll help everyone else feel connected. And it's that whole relatability, like us as humans, we have so many more similarities than we do differences. For instance, we all breathe, we all have the same organs, we all see like, well, the majority of us, we can all, like we all have so many more similarities than we do differences. So I think mm -hmm. even our experiences in life, whether we go through mistakes or failures or knockbacks, setbacks, if everyone was vulnerable and also showed them, it provides a more compassion, compassionate world and compassionate society where people are more relatable and then people can learn from each other's mistakes or each other's setbacks. 
And it takes away that whole negative mindset of I'm alone, of mm -hmm. I'm the who's going through this, of I'm, I need to do this dramatically different or I'm not good enough for this world because that's how I felt when I was growing up. I constantly felt like, because I moved families through foster care, I constantly felt like I'm not loved. Like, I'm, like, no parent loves me. Like, what is my gift on this planet? What am I doing on this planet? Like, if someone at home cannot love me, how can I love myself? How can anyone else love me? How can I develop a meaningful, passionate relationship? And then a family that I'm going to follow that through to my next generations as well and the people around me. So I think reframing, as I touched into personal development, I looked at a lot of other people who are successful now, their vulnerabilities, the failures and setbacks they've gone through and how they overcame that. Because that's when I instantly felt related to someone in the world. And I was like, wow, okay, if they can do it, then I can surely do it. And then I can surely have that influence and impact onto other people to help uplift them. So I really think vulnerability Thank you very much, Jessica. Yes, it's uh, yes, you're absolutely right about that because uh, children is uh, our first cell of society. And thank you for showing us the people and women actually to discover themselves and love themselves and the self-development as well is very important because uh, you're absolutely right in this all. I'm really just <laughs> blow my mind when you speak about those kind of topics. And uh, yes, we, you are enough, you're so right. And uh, everyone should understand and the love is just, um, it's just unconditional, isn't it? And uh, not need to worry about anything and you are not alone. Just thank you for sharing your story with us because it's really inspiring. Thank you so much, Jessica. And I'd like to ask you, because you mentioned that you moved a uh, lot of families because you was um, fostering a child. And um, so on what, what do you think in your opinion, on what should the relationship between generations, children and parents, parents be based so uh, that our first cell of society, the family, there will be a healthy atmosphere. So what it should be based on this relationship between parents and so children? What, what it should be based on the relationship with the parents? Yes, and children. Um, I think guidance, I think parents are here for purely guidance instead of structuring their mm. child. Because I feel like a lot of parents can um, push their children into one way of life or into like through education and then out into the world and you have to get a job and you have to do this. However, I think parents themselves first need to just guide and support children. So on their fundamentals, on the kindness, on the loving, on the caring, on the gratitude, stuff like that, because then children will grow up then with their fundamentals of compassion, of relationships, of knowing what meaningful relationships are. Um, and then that has a knock-on effect into what they think about themselves. Then if they feel better about themselves, they feel better then about their values. They feel better then about what job or career they value then and what meaning or what gift they want to bring to the world. And then also it has a knock-on effect to what relationship they'll get in in the future and then what family they have and then how they bring up their children or if they're teaching as well, how they guide the children as well and the education system as well. So yes, I think um, 
yeah, the parent to children sort of guidelines needs to be just based on guidance. Let them make a mess in the house sometimes if they spill over a cup of juice or when you're cooking and stuff like that. Let them get like the baking powder everywhere and don't like stress so much about like the laundry and stuff because these are the little things that follow through to children. Like if they see their parents getting stressed out over the little things, then they are gonna get stressed out over the little things when they're older. Like I know for myself, um, when I ended up in like my adoptive family, my adoptive mom, she's a single parent and she gets very, very OCD and very stressed over the little things, okay? Like even if the table isn't cleared properly or even if she calls it the snail trail, so if you leave like your phone somewhere or if you leave something else of yours somewhere else or your shoes in the wrong place. But the thing is, is that that's then had a knock on effect to me in like my relationship now when I'm older, I can see it. And I'm having to take the work, like do the work on that because I don't want to be in that sort of stressed mindset of, okay, this is out of place, that is out of place. There's something else out of place. Do you get what I mean? Um, so, cause that will then follow through to my children. Like if I have children and stuff and they end up doing their natural stuff, exploring their interests and they're playing Play-Doh or painting and stuff. And if they make a mess, I don't want to be the mom who's like, oh my gosh, like, no, you've got to clean that up. It's going to make a stain and all this, that and the other. No, it's about letting them like do what they want to do, knowing that a stain can be cleaned up, that the stress and stuff does not have to be there. Be a little bit more free, I think, in parent-to-childhood relationships. Be a little bit more free and willing to let the little mistakes happen, let the mess happen, um, and think more about the bond and the memories that are created between the parent and the child more than anything. Um, because they're the good feelings that are gonna follow through to generations, not whether or not the house was clean. <laughs> or not so <laughs> i hope that answers your question absolutely yes thank you so much because uh, let's be honest isn't the children is everything learned from parents because uh, it's the example and we should motivate them and we should like to show them the best way and not just oppress them and let's be like let's children be children just enjoy the life for the moment they have full life yet to be stressful about so let them enjoy and memories to hold inside themselves about this joyful childhood it's our responsibility and children is our responsibility thank you so much jessica yes you fully answered it it's fantastic <laughs> you're so welcome <laughs> lovely jessica i really love hearing about um you know how you've overcome your obstacles of um fosterhood and uh, adoption and um so it's very close to my heart because my mum um used to foster um so i've got tons and tons of foster siblings and an adopted daughter as well, uh, not adopted daughter, sorry, adopted sister as well. So, um, you know, we've been kind of through that process and it does bring joy to your life. Uh, so it's really great hearing you speak about that. Um, but I'd like to ask you about speaking about just basic relationships and, and what you feel true friendship and happiness is for you and how you see mutual relationships between people within a creative society and what it should be based on? Um, I think it should definitely be based on love and compassion. And I know 
and acceptance, acceptance of the other person. For instance, in friendships in today's society, if you go like a week without seeing your best friend or a week without texting them or a week without going over to the house, whatever it may be, a lot of people now have built up that sort of like fear that, oh my goodness, I'm gonna lose them as my best friend. Oh my goodness, they're not gonna be there for me. Oh, I need to constantly be attached to them and depend on them for everything in life. And if they're not there for me or if they don't understand me, then I need to get rid of them type thing. Yeah. I think, no, it's okay. You're two different individuals or you and your group of friends. Uh, everyone is completely different. Everyone has their own journey to go through in life and you have to go through that as an individual. And then the other people will either come along and accept you or they will drop off the higher you grow and the more you expand on your career or your gift or your meaning in life. But I think... If we just accept each other for our differences, like for instance, I know for my friendship group and um, my family and friends, when I've moved over from the UK to South Africa, I've been over here for a year now. I know the friends who fully accept my decisions because I may not meet, I may not speak with them for like, it could be two months. And then the next thing we have a phone call and they're still excited to hear about what I'm doing and what I'm seeing or who I'm becoming, stuff like that and vice versa as well. But we have that understanding that no matter what, we're on this planet, um, hopefully, if nothing dramatic happens, for like another 100, 120 years in our lifespan right now. So if I want them as a lifelong friend, checking up on them every single week is a lot of times in that, in that many years, right? So we just understand and accept that we have our journeys. We're going to click and see each other at the right times in life. And I think just accepting that um, in your friendships, that everyone is an individual. Everyone needs to just go through their life's journey. They need to learn about themselves and about their own interests the way that they, they want to, basically. And it doesn't mean that they're any less of a friend because they don't message you for like a week later or a month later or a year later. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they are doing them and they will, they are still, they still respect you as a friend and they still want to be with you as a friend, but they're just doing their own journey differently to yours. Um, so yeah, I think being compassionate about that and loving the fact that you have a friend no matter what or no matter how long it takes for them to reply and accepting that they're just on the journey for them to find their unique self and that's okay and that's okay um yeah just accepting that of each other will definitely create a more like kind society i think rather than a more fighting or hating each other because oh my goodness, they haven't messaged me in so long or I haven't heard of them or I haven't contacted them or I haven't been out for a drink with them in so long. They're not my friend anymore. It's like, no, they are still your friend. Just stick to your values and it'll be okay. <laughs> like, yes, you're so right because uh, you should respect each other and each other's time because you're right, everybody going on with their own lives and uh, we also shouldn't like expect them immediate answer on our text message or anything so because they are just could be busy with their things and you're absolutely right about this friends are still here so no matter what 
the true friends. Thank you so much, Jessica. Yes, we also know you are vegan and uh, you are practiced that for quite a while. And uh, so it's quite nice and interesting for me to ask you this question. Uh, so Jessica, how do you envision food industry and creative society? What, it should, what um, goals it should be? So. Oh, <laughs> this is a very big subject in the world right now, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Share with us. <laughs> I, um, I definitely think, um, Okay, so I'm not one to sort of push um, veganism onto everyone and be like, you must go vegan because of this, that and the other. So I'll talk about my own experience and what I've gone through with um, being vegan and my own research. So I've transitioned into vegan um, in the last year for about a year, maybe just over, give or take. Um, I've been completely vegan now. And for myself, first and foremost, for my health, it has definitely definitely revitalized me like right now all I have on my face is eye mo makeup I have nothing on my skin and as soon as I took out dairy out of my diet for instance um I so before before when I was eating dairy let me just go back a sec <laughs> when I was eating dairy when I was eating meat and all animal products I had severe acne like severe acne you wouldn't believe it now but I do have some scarring as soon as I took dairy out of my diet, um, I noticed a huge difference, literally within a few weeks to a month. My acne was clearing up, my face was looking so much more like nourished and vibrant and everything. And then as I kept like um, dairy out of my diet, a year later, it's cleared up even more and even more. And it's taken time. And I think the transition into vegan is that it takes time to see the effects. Like, yes, there's a lot of instant effects, but holistically, if you keep at it for a year, for two years, you will, and then ongoing, you will see the bigger effects because if you've been eating an animal-based um, animal diet since you were like, I don't know, since you were born almost <laughs> until like your 20s, for instance, that's like 24 years of your body being used to that. It's not instantly gonna change overnight or over a week so I think being patient with it for your health like for me as well taking meat as well out of my diet I instantly noticed the difference with my digestive system I used to have severe gut issues severe digestive digestive issues and um, I tried so many probiotics all the all the stuff that I, I can't even name right now there's so many um I tried all the vitamins and everything and just nothing was working. So I took me out of my diet and now literally everything is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> and my brain as well, I don't really get brain, brain fog anymore. Um, whereas before when I used to eat meat, afterwards I can feel a little bit lethargic and stuff. And I go to the gym a lot. Um, so yeah, it affected my like gym and stuff like that. But then instantly when I got rid of meat, I felt like even in the gym, I was so much more energized. Going on a run, I was so much more energized. Doing my work at home as well. I'm more in flow state actually. I've never ever been so much into flow state than I have until I got rid of um, animal products out of my life. So because of that, like it really, really helped me health-wise. And then after researching a lot about the health, I researched more into like the global 
and econo um, economic factors as well. So I, I've watched The Game Changers, which I really, really recommend to everyone who's watching this. The Game Changers and what's the other one? What the Health. What the Health was the one that really, really hit base with me. I hated completely what I was seeing. I hated how animals go through, they're literally fed up and they have their babies taken away from them to be fed up as well with the grains and stuff and then put straight into the slaughterhouse when they're like big enough or whatnot to be slaughtered and then to be fed to us basically without going into the gory parts too much. But it was just so unethical um for me like watching it I was like a lot of people say about the food chain and everything I'm like no like from my experience going vegan we do not need to eat animal-based products we don't at all because you thrive more you feel better for your health for the planet everything on plant-based products like for instance our gut system um our intestines are like one of the main facts of that alliance intestines is like literally straight up and down near enough it's like I think it's like that long altogether <laughs> or something so that when they do eat meat or when they do eat they prey it just goes straight through like but for us as humans we have intestines like the length of a football pitch that just shows that we are not made to like fundamentally digest meat like we're meant for more animal and um, plant-based products where our intestines are taking out the good nutrients as it goes through us and stuff like that it just shows with the length and yeah so that's just another thing and the whole fact of the world and the climate um the one thing that pointed out the um hit me most was the fact that there's more than enough food being made on this planet to feed the whole population the whole population and more than enough water and the fact that you've got droughts in the world now, the fact that you've got um, so many, like millions of people in starvation and everything, like that is not okay. That is not okay. It doesn't matter what anyone says, that is not okay. And all the crops and all the herds and whatever else is being produced, the majority of that is going to the animals, which is then like, all the water, all the crops, the majority of it is going to the animals to what? Just to feed our greedy guts, <laughs> literally. And if we just cut back on um, the food, the meat consuming, the animal product consuming, um, not only for the fact of our health, for the fact of the world and everything, I think people have a more equal opportunity to live, not only to live, but also to thrive and, well, to survive and then to thrive in life. Like, you never know, the people who are starving right now, there could be some, like, quite a lot of genius people in that group of society who could really transform and evolutionize this planet as a whole. And the fact that they're not getting the chance to do that just because, the major like, the other half of the people in the world are, like, too full of, like, consuming meat and animal products and worried about the tastes of stuff, like, it's... Yeah, it's not okay. And yeah, and the fact that um, also animal products like causes, has a knock on offense effect to cancer and to diabetes and to so many other health issues. Like even dairy, they say that it's good for your bones. It's good for calcium and good for um, 
oh, what is it? Your cartilage and stuff like that in between your bones. It's not, it like deplenishes that. It takes it out and it causes stuff like oxy, um, what's it called? Arthritis and, oh, well, that is arthritis when the bones are rubbing together and stuff. It's a lot of us issues, isn't it, with the food industry and for meat eating or other things, yes. You should have cleaner waters, hygienically cleaner waters because lots of big problems, isn't it? You should actually create society to stop doing this whole uh, nonsense and actually feed the whole population of Earth because poverty and hunger are the main issues right now. And I absolutely agree with you by health point. And we have to look more about our what the food are we eating and what drinks the water and everything. And actually it's devastating when you understand that other people have to suffer so much. And uh, just like, as I say, some countries just throw the food away and some countries have not nothing to eat to drink. And of course, yeah. the have to fix every single point of it. And thank you so much for your advice and for your experience sharing with us based on food and food industry as well. It's really very interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah I think it was really interesting. Sorry. No, sorry. I was just saying it's such a huge um, mm. topic right now that it's so hard to sort of dive into so much of it. I think um, the documentaries, the professional documentaries that are out there will really help people to make that choice um, in whether they want to go plant-based or not, or whether they should just like cut down on meat as a whole to save the planet, basically. Um, but yeah, so there's the game changers, there's what the health, they're the two big ones I would recommend to everyone. And for a better planet overall and for your health as well overall, so. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lovely. I think what you were trying to think of there was osteoporosis, possibly. <laughs> was that the one? Yeah, yeah. And, and Dominion is another one um, that's available online. Um, another really um, hard-hitting documentary. Yeah. Um, so um, I'd like to, I think we've touched on this um, very briefly, but I'd like to really focus in um, Jessica, on um, what you think unites all people of the earth and um, regardless of their nationality, their social status, what, what is it you think that we all have in common as human, uh, as human beings? I think definitely the meaning to be loved, definitely. The feeling to be loved and to have connection deep down inside of us and also the feeling of growth. Like no matter what we do in life, we always as human beings strive for the next best things. Like even if it's down to like, I don't know what we wear, like for instance, our wardrobes, we always look at it and there will come a point that you've had the same clothes in there for about a year and you're like, no, I need to upgrade my wardrobe. <laughs> so even down to the little things like that, we are made and designed for growth, especially, um, and definitely love and connection. Mm -hmm. um, we all want to be, to feel loved. We all want to feel sort of um, important as well. And like we're doing something good for the world or that we're contributing in some way. That's what helps us um, thrive in life, I think, so much. Like even if you give um, food to a homeless person, as soon as you walk away from that, you feel so good for the rest of your day. 
like it just sparks something it sparks a fire and a feeling of like love of I've helped someone I've supported someone so that sort of connection there and um, so love and love connection and growth definitely thank you so much yes the connection is uh, kindness love compassion everything unites us and you're so right about this example of the homeless person and walking up to you sharing your belongings and your food thank you so much jessica and i'd like to speak about um, eight foundations of creative society so after conducting the interviews with the people all over the world the stages and foundations for building the creative society was formed and present as an article on alachaunites.com so you can find full information about our project on alachaunites.com please visit it and read the article and also i would like to for viewers and for you jessica to watch little video about eight foundations just to remind in general what they look like thank you Jessica, you get familiar with those foundations and stages for building the creative society. Could you please tell us what do you think in general about them? How can we implement them? In which one of those foundations is resonates with you? Yes, and um, they definitely all um, resonate with me. But I think the main one is number six, which is development of personality. And I think where that's where we can implement them all and where especially development of personality starts is right with education, early years education. So from the ages of like zero to three years old, right when children start play school as well or start just communicating and connecting with other children and they're in the education system. We need to guide our children um, into a creative society, into a creative way where they know their unique gift and they know their unique talents in the world and that they can create who they are and what it, through what interests they have. They are free to explore in their education of um, what games they may want to do. I know that Montessori, um, Froebel and, what was the last one I wanted to mention? Montessori, Froebel and, oh, Reggio Emilia. They're very creative ways of education and they let their children in their schools explore nature, be mm. out in the forest, 
like be with animals and also do stuff like the fundamentals of life, like learning about cooking, learning about like woodcraft and learning about like relationships as well and building that connection. So I think having a creative society that starts with right at the early stages of life so that our subconscious, so that the children's subconscious and their paradigm is set for a life of self-belief, self-love, care and compassion of each other. And it's set for a way of growth that is okay if you explore so many different interests to find what you want to bring to the world and what unique gift you have. And so that you're not going into the education system and into life as unique and amazing, but then you're coming out of it as like a cookie cutter and as one way, shape or form. So I think really to create a society where our children, where generations and to come can really explore their unique identity and their unique selves and their unique interests to help the world to thrive. Um, and in a, the most compassionate and loving way, not in a strict and a very, <laughs> um, yeah, a strict and stressful and fearful way as it is today and very like power and very oppression way. I think it needs to be a bit more free flowing and um, for people to grow. Yes, thank you. This is why we can achieve the great societies in joint effort together by peaceful means. And you're absolutely right. Yes, children are it's, it's the first, first, first particle in our world. And of course, yeah, thank you so much, Jessica. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so we've already mentioned that, um, that the informational stage is the first stage um, of building the creative society. So I would just like to ask what you think is the best way to inform people about the Creative Society project? Well, I certainly think because the world is going very much into a social media and te technological way, um, <laughs> yeah, way forward. So I think informing people about the Creative Society is really Word of mouth, like reputation and word of mouth is definitely key um, because that can have so such a huge impact. It's the quickest way to get anything known in this world, literally. But then through education, um, not through education, through social media, through social media especially, like harnessing the tools that we already have, harnessing the resources we already have to let it have that ripple effect onto the rest of the world. So through YouTube, through Facebook, through Instagram, through all the big um, social media sites, definitely. Thank you so much, Jessica. Yes, it's, uh, thank you for this advice. It's fantastic. So I'd like to remind our viewers and for you as well, that we are using the rule of six handshakes, which is the fairest that all people on the world are connected through five or less social connections. And uh, we're using it, and this is how we met you, Thanks for our beautiful co-host Suzanne today. So he would like to ask you, Jessica, now as well, who you would like to nominate and invite for our next live conversation and why you're choosing this person. I would love to nominate a dear friend of mine called KJ Richards. And my reason why is because she has a company at the moment called She, and it stands for Seeing Herself Evolving. So she also helps women in forgiveness, in love, in compassion, in understanding themselves and helping them to thrive in life. So I would love to invite her as a guest onto this. I feel she would bring so much value and gold. Thank you so much. She sounds fantastic. Thank you. Mm, beautiful.
so um, I'd like to thank you for today's conversation. It's been really enlightening. And um, to join the Creative Projects for the Alatra International Public Movement, please visit our website, alatraunites.com, where you will see the red button to join. And all you need to do is to fill out a very short and easy form. Volunteers for Alatra IPM will contact you. It's been a wonderful interview, this. Thank you very much, Susan, and thank you very much, Jessica, for being with us today and uh, sharing the story and just uh, very inspiring advice is given for our viewers. And thank you so much for everything, basically, today. Let's stay connected, let's stay in touch and work together, because only in unity we can achieve this one goal, unite humanity and leave the world for the next generations, be proud of what we're living for them. Just rebuild it, preserve it, and just give it to them a better world. Thank you so much, both of you guys. It's just such a pleasure to have you in our conversation. So I wish you all the best and luck with your work and all the light as well. And thank you, Susan, again, for helping us today with this beautiful interview. Thank you for introducing Jessica for us. You both are amazing. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> so bye for now. Bye-bye.